0: Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling from Ford Field. Thank you for waving, yes. Me. From an outdated workroom at Ford Field that still has cubicles. How about that? To talk about the enigmatic yeah. Vi- Vikings who lost 34 to 23 uh, hey, at least it wasn't a one-score loss. They're still 9-0. No, 0 the,
1: the 9-0 mark in one-score games <laughs> still stands. Oh I think they can tie an NFL record with one more win in those types of games. It's it's just insane, and it seems
0: like that's the only way they're going to win another game is, is by eking out a close game, and they almost made this one as such. But this defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Dalvin Cook fumbling at the goal line on... An interesting play call
1: in situation they were in. Are you using interesting like uh, Midwestern moms use interesting? (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of, I I mean, you could either (laughs) go with that or, Oh, that's different.
0: (laughs) Uh, having Dalvin cook attempt try to attempt his first NFL pass of his career. He didn't even get it off before fumbling. Uh, Kirk cousins balled out and it didn't matter. Justin Jefferson set a single game franchise record and it didn't matter. Um, cause wow, this Vikings team from the start, they, they kind of got boat raced by a really strong Detroit offense and an environment here at Ford field that felt like they're ready for some meaningful football.
1: Yeah. I mean, this place was, and we've spent a lot of years coming here, uh, it is not typically as loud as it was here. I mean, this is a great sports town. It's, it's you know, this is not probably what Vikings doesn't want to hear right now, but uh, I'm. it's impressive to see the amount of support they have for this team given how bad they've been for so long. I mean, and you see it with the Red Wings and the Pistons and the Tigers when they've been better, obviously Michigan, Michigan State in the area too. But this is a – a rabid sports town. And when you see them having something to cheer about, it turns into a much different place to play. And maybe it turns into that for the next few years here, if they continue to get better. But this is a tough environment to come in. It's awfully loud. It's not something, I think this was my 10th time here, or 9th or 10th time here today. It's my 11th year, and I think I've missed this game twice over the years. But I don't think I've ever heard it as loud in the previous times I've been here. Yeah, and for was them, today.
0: And the way the, the game started out, too, um, the Lions jump out to the 7-0 lead with the big touchdown to who else? Jamison Williams. <laughs> Jamison Williams. Subplots. The assist to Kwese Adolfo Mensa uh, on that score for the Lions, and then the Vikings give up another big one to DJ Shark over Cam Dansler, who came back from a four-game absence to that ankle issue and uh, didn't exactly make a big impact on this game other than getting beat there. Leads to another corner rotation. I mean, to me, the story of this game is how this defense now, been five straight times they've given up 400-plus yards.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of records set today, not all of them good. I believe that's the first time they've ever given up 400 yards in five straight games in franchise history. They are the first team in NFL history to be 10-3 and three while being outscored for the season. Uh, they got one of the greatest – passing and greatest receiving performances maybe the greatest receiving performance just judging by yards mm-hmm. in franchise history and it wasn't enough to even get them within a score I mean that I would think has to reflect pretty in a pretty unsettling manner as they fly home tonight especially for the defensive staff
0: yeah and then O'Connell was as head-on as I've seen him about this defense and saying basically coaches have to do better. Uh, he said we have to – he kind of pointed to the rush and said we have to find a way to generate a more pressure, be more aggressive against quarterbacks as they just keep throwing all over the Vikings. Um, Zedaria Smith, Daniel Hunter shut out. This Vikings defense did not get a sack for the second time in the last four games. Obviously those two losses – or two games are the two losses to the Cowboys and Lions. This is supposed to be a four-man rush team, and, and they just don't have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that has been – their identity has certainly been the identity of this scheme, but it doesn't work if you can't get home. I mean, the, the times where we've seen this scheme look great, it's when the Rams are running it with Aaron Donald in the middle of the line or the Bears have Akeem Hicks and, you know, you can go down the line. You can go back further than that with the Bears to when they were running it in the, in the Brian Urlacher days when they had plenty of people to get home, whether it's, you know – some years, it's more recently, it's been Hicks or Robert Quinn or Eddie Goldman or Roquan Ver- Smith. You think of Harbaugh's Niners, too? Yeah. Certainly, yeah. the Harbaugh Niners with with all those guys that they've had in that front seven, Navarro Bowman. I mean, you go on down the line to some of the guys they had on those teams. And when it works, you can get home with four. I mean, that is, that's that's the secret sauce to NFL defenses. If you can get home with four consistently, you're going to be really hard to beat. If you can't you seem like you have to do something else rather than just saying this is the way it's supposed to work. Yes, it is the way it's supposed to work, but you have to do something different if it's not working. Which right now it's certainly not.
0: Yeah, we talked on the podcast over the last couple of weeks about how you know I, I thought they
1: just have to do what their
0: philosophy is better, but clearly O'Connell doesn't feel like that's in them right now, or at least they need to make some changes coaching wise to help facilitate that improvement.
1: Yeah, and I I think you're. It's going to be interesting to see in the next few weeks here. How that goes. Does O'Connell get forceful enough? And he may not do it publicly. I mean, we're we're sort of used to that happening around here. But uh, I don't know that that will happen with this coach. I think he got about as close to that today as he's going to get. But does he make a more direct appeal behind the scenes? Probably to Ed Donatel to say, hey, we have to start to crank up the pressure a little bit more. Or, you know, what happens? I mean, you you have to figure out some way, I think, to help the secondary. doesn't help you didn't have Harrison Smith today, and they're trying to be cautious knowing that the playoffs are coming. But you made it difficult when Jared Goff can just sit back there and have all the time he wants to take shots downfield. And, And, again, plenty of space over the middle of the field. We've seen that become a recurring theme in the last few weeks too, when you're not getting home and quarterbacks have all the time they want to dissect a the defense they're going to do it.
0: Yeah, we should should mention that obviously the Vikings in this game decided to rest all three other questionable injured starters going into this game. And O'Connell said afterward, you know, we gave it all we got. Well, you know, not really. Yeah. Because <laughs> you did hold back a little bit. And I thought that was a smart move. You got injured guys that – and the division's all but wrapped up, right? Like Detroit would have to win out. Vikings would have to lose out. That's not going to happen. But what the Vikings could control was getting saw that extra rest, Smith not forcing him back out there with a neck injury, as we've seen previous uh, coaching and training staffs do with injured players. Yes. In terms of, you know, goading them back out there. And then – uh obviously too with garrett bradbury i talked to him afterward i guess he had a back issue that he didn't think was going to keep him out of this game but then he had spasms and it locked up on him and i can't imagine playing in the nfl with back spasms and a a lot of
1: fun especially when you got another game on saturday
0: yeah and yeah you're right six day turnaround um so bradbury expects to play against the colts um but it was a game time decision here you saw what it looked like without him which i who thought we'd be in this spot talking about Garrett's turnaround in a way yeah. that really affects them yeah. when they're out or when he's out?
1: Yeah, it did. And I think Christian Darrisaw. I mean, getting him back is important. Uh, I thought they had bigger issues than Blake Brandle today. And Brandle goes down late yeah. in the game, too, with a knee injury that Kevin O'Connell said. Uh, they'll, they'll have to get a, looked at a little bit more. They didn't do a great job protecting Cousins. This is not as good of a defensive front that they as what they've seen in terms of teams that bring – if you look at the NFL pressure rates, Dallas, New England, the Jets, all near the top. The Lions are not. Aiden Hutchinson's going to be f- tremendous. But that's not as deep of a group as what the Vikings have seen. But they had a lot of trouble protecting Cousins again. And, and Cousins, I thought – Stood in and and took some shots, especially when, you know, it's hard, too, when you get into a drop-back game. You're down two touchdowns. They can come after you. There's not a lot you can do to mitigate things because you have to get chunks and go downfield. He made a lot of throws. I You know, it's one of those things where everybody kind of always talks about him as we need him to be this, we need him to be that. We need him to carry the team to justify the salary. I mean, O'Connell said it afterwards. Cousins basically willed them back into the game. When you've got your defense doing what they did, there really was no run game to speak of, and you're going to hit like that to go have the game that you had. Now, the thing you do have going for you is Justin Jefferson, obviously, but uh, I'm not sure what more people could ask of Cousins than what he gave him today.
0: Yeah, what a turnaround. I mean, we're a week removed from Kirk not being able to you know, hit accurately yeah. on yeah. short, d- intermediate, long. And he comes out here, and I can't think of too many throws he missed today.
1: no. No, I think there was. I'm trying to think. if There was one early that he might have been a little high on, but
0: but in general, he was. Yeah. He, was he was really just on point, dealing, taking hits, getting drilled. He took three sacks an additional, I think, five hits in this game. Yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook was sacked, oddly enough. Yes, he was <laughs> attempting that play. The Vikings get that first. Was it first and goal at the three?
1: Yep. When that first happened. First and goal at the three.
0: You get a first and goal at the three right before halftime, and that's a spot where the Vikings are trying to bleed the clock, not to, not let the Lions get the ball back. Everyone's expecting the run, and O'Connell switches it up on him. And it's very interesting that O'Connell might get criticized in this game for being cute in that moment when they get beat by a very adorable Dan Campbell doing Panay <laughs> Sewell motion yep. to a throw in the flat to a 400-pound man. Yes. I mean, th- that is if that fails
1: – Dan Campbell is getting eviscerated, but because it works... Especially when you consider how the first game between yeah. the two teams oh, ended right. with yeah. the fourth down.
0: If that fails and the Vikings somehow like intercept it or something happens that gets the Vikings back in this game because of that, uh, it's, he's getting criticized in the same vein that people are looking at O'Connell saying, why haven't Cook throw the ball there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, especially Campbell hadn't used his timeouts, and they were on like a six-minute drive, just bleeding a lot of clock there towards the end of the first half. They bring on Ole Udo, and obviously that's to try to get the look. You're, you're probably – you're trying to get to the point where – well, probably you have enough pass protection so Johnny Munt can get in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. But you're also trying to get them to think, okay, they're just going to try to bang into the end zone here. Mm-hmm. Um, given the fact there was a minute left, and if you score you can bleed a lot of that clock, I thought they'd at least try to run it once. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you don't go to the the jump pass on, um, on first down. But – I suppose then if you're going to try it on second, then you miss and you're down to third. I mean, I, I can understand the logic. I just don't think I would have gone to it there. I think you try to run it, do what you can do, bleed a little more clock, and then you, know, you have Justin Jefferson as well. I think getting him the ball in those situations is always probably a good idea.
0: The Vikings were overmatched up front throughout this game. So I see why O'Connell didn't want to try to run it into the line, right?
1: Yeah. You're not yeah. going to
0: out-muscle him there. So he had already burned his you know, fake run up the middle pitch out left on the first touchdown. Yes. Already burned that to the edge. Didn't want to clearly go back to that. So then he tries this. And it, Munn was open, you know. Yeah, he it, was. It, it he was open. <laughs> it works if Cook is acu- uh, uh, uh protected well enough adequately protected well enough there he also um, needed to handle the ball
1: better i mean he he was kind of dancing kind around of in the backfield yeah. and the ball was loose i mean he, he's holding it you know trying to get ready to throw it but he's holding it in a way that was inviting a strip
0: <laughs> almost like he's not a quarterback <laughs> yes yes that's uh that's
1: certainly part of the deal and i i wonder too i mean obviously his, his shoulder is not an issue of preventing him to throw the ball if they did this in practice all week i thought this was a good idea yeah um yeah, obviously, that's not something that hindered them. O'Connell said, we ran it a lot. It worked in practice. Well, you know, it's a little different in a game and maybe a little different against a different defense. Not not a great defense over there either by any means, but when it's a different defense and you're missing two guys on your offensive front, it felt too cute to me, but um, I have called precisely zero plays in an NFL game, so, and I expect that will be the case for the foreseeable future, probably the rest of my life.
0: I have no problem calling Dan Campbell adorable because that was adorable. Penny Sewell, I I couldn't believe it.
1: I was like, what is this? It's the the Trent Williams thing where you put him in motion and have him be the lead blocker, but instead nobody expected it was coming. (laughs) I mean, O'Connell said they've they've shown that a lot, but it's typically with him as a lead blocker, and then they played against type. He kind of tipped his hat to the play call. Obviously, he's a a guy that appreciates a, a cleverly designed play. Um, in the end, it was the thing that cost them the game, and then they get 42 yards on a fake punt. Oh yeah, I mean, really, special teams. I mean, it, their yeah. punt team and coverage, their
0: punt coverage and punt return team both had issues. the the um, The 42 yarder fake on the punt return team.
1: They give up a long return, 35 to Raymond.
0: yard return on there. Boyd misses another tackle on a 13 yard return. Um, so special teams wasn't exactly helping them out a ton in this one. They benefited from a missed field goal. Yep, <laughs> from the yep. Lions' perspective.
1: That was after the the uh, the fumble. Yep, but other than that, could have been a ten point swing. Instead, it was a seven point swing.
0: It was not the complimentary football that you're used to seeing from these Minnesota Vikings, where the offense, after a slow start, was the only thing working for them in that second half. Um, it, boy. Yes, you're probably going to clinch the division if you're the Vikings on Saturday against the Colts, but you're feeling at this point like you just need some confidence builders because two losses in the last four games to the Cowboys and the Lions uh, have you looking at a spot where the first seed is probably out of reach.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say at this point.
0: And you're looking down now at the Giants of the seventh seed tied with the Washington in there, Seattle's down there. You're basically the two seed, so... What What's to play for other than just keeping the three-seed at bay?
1: Yeah, you're playing for that, and you are playing to have some level of momentum going to the playoffs. Yeah. I think you could make an argument you're playing for some type of a, a statement. I, I don't know who you're going to get that against because it's the Colts, the Giants, the Packers, and the Bears the rest of the way. Not a terribly difficult schedule. The thing I will say, though, is and we heard it this week. They noticed that spread the fact that they were underdogs coming in here, same thing as when they were underdogs against Dallas. They they kind of took some level of exception to that, mm-hmm. that they were not favored in these games, despite the fact that the, the record is gaudy. Both times that's happened, they have done things to make Vegas and all of the people that bet on these games or make the markets for them or analyze these things say, well, see, this is what we're talking about. So... If you want those things to stop, you have to take advantage of one of these opportunities to win, and then you shove it back in everybody's face and say, see, you guys all doubted us, the markets all doubted us, whatever, whoever you want to say is doubting you, the way to get that to stop is to go into one of these games, play a complete game in all three phases for really what would be the first time this year, and say – we did what we needed to do. Now stop talking about us this way,
0: especially as Brock Purdy's Niners just destroy the Buccaneers. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and you've got the Eagles looking
0: great still, yep. destroying the Giants. Um, yeah, the the powers that be. Well, I guess the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a really weird, very NFL result today, where they yeah. eke out a win against yeah, had the Texans. To sneak
1: out of. Houston.
0: Um, So there's always going to be those kinds of results, but as other teams do what we are saying we like the Vikings to do, which is beat a lesser team thoroughly, they're still looking for their first two-score wins since week one. Um, We'll see if they can do that against the Colts. I was talking to – one thing I want to mention before we break here, I was talking to Brian O'Neill after the game, and I just asked him what's eating at you because he was obviously dejected as a captain of this team, and um, I I think he knew – and he said, he said there's a lot of plays I wish I had back. He had a pretty yeah, rough a day. game in this one. And I guess if you're, if you're the Vikings offense, you're thinking, okay, not only are we going to get our left tackle back, our right tackle is not going to play as poorly as he did in this one moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he had a tough, tough day against Aiden Hutchinson. It was a lot of Aiden Hutchinson that beat him. But, yeah, that, that didn't help. I mean, really, you were down to – I mean, the guys they count on the most on that line are O'Neill." Ezra Cleveland and Christian Derrissaw. You're missing Derrissaw, obviously, and have been for several weeks. So you need those guys to be that much better to kind of make up for it, especially when you don't have Garrett Bradbury in the middle of things. So the slide protection stuff, you're probably sending more of it the other way and trying to help Blake Brandle as much as you can. So you're counting on O'Neal to be able to handle things on his side. So the fact that he had as rough of a day as he did, it certainly doesn't help. Uh, when you're already shorthanded there
0: yeah it just makes what kirk did i think all that more remarkable and seeing the game that he had today uh tj hawkinson back in detroit gets booed on the second play of the vikings out on offense (laughs) because it was his first catch um a 13 yarder he caught i believe he converted a first down there and immediately the lions fans were booing him and i asked him afterward you know do do you get the sense of just how finicky football fans are that as soon as you're wearing some other laundry you know it's boo and boo because it's not like he forced his way out of Detroit.
1: No, no. I mean they. <laughs> he knew they were going to trade him, but he, he wasn't sitting there clamoring for it. Yeah,
0: he wanted a contract extension from them. They gave him the fifth year option and then dealt him away. Um, but he said, "Yeah, it is what it is." You know, he, he kept the focus on talking to his teammates. He he kept it all positive. Um, but seeing what the Vikings could do with him today, down the field especially too. Those are the kind of things that you want to consistently see. And then if you're the Vikings, just get a defensive stop or two. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about a win here despite a, a really atrocious defensive day. Um, the Lions just ripped off long drive after long drive. I thought I had seen Jared Goff's best game as a pro back in 2018.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in His last two, really. I mean, the last time they were here last year when yeah. the Lions were winless, Goff was awfully good. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the last two times they've, they've had – he's he's – this is going to be before your time, but I was interning at the Pioneer Press in 2003 when the Vikings were undefeated, 6-0. and They were getting all sorts of interceptions, takeaways, all season. Uh, you know, Kind of one of these types of charmed years. They weren't, this is 03, right? This is 03. They weren't supposed to be this good. The first team to beat them, the New York Giants come in, noted Vikings killer Kerry Collins, who had torched them in the NFC title game three years ago, has a huge day. They lose a the game, then the the slide to nine and seven, and Nate Poole begins from there. But Jared Goff has got a little bit of uh, early two thousands Kerry Collins level of success. You know, kind of this <laughs> nondescript <laughs> quarterback that went to a Super Bowl, kind of getting carried there. It's like he's not really that good, but you <laughs> know, he's played in a Super Bowl. It feels like yeah. Kerry Collins twenty years later.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's no, a good comp. That's a good comp. I mean, he hasn't beat him in the in the playoffs, and uh, but hey, if the Lions no. are in that seven seed. <laughs> we could be looking at game three, 3 of Vikings Lions at US Bank Stadium. We'll have to see if they lock up a home playoff game on Saturday against the Colts uh,
1: against Jeff Saturday.
0: Against Jeff Saturday, Jeff Sunday he's now called. We will <laughs> check in with you guys uh
1: Tuesday. Two- I'm the one that makes the dad jokes.
0: <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday we will preview that game for you on a shortened week for the Minnesota Vikings. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com.